James 1, verses 1 through 4. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, when you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Well, good morning. As Brandon just shared, we're going to start a new book series starting today, and it'll lead us all the way through September 3rd. We're going to study the book of James together. So if you have your Bibles with you, either on uh, a device or your actual book of the Bible, if you wouldn't mind opening that to actually James chapter 1, because that's where we're going to be today and do this together today. The last few months, we've been in the series on the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching his followers, his disciples, and the crowds that want to sit and learn from him about a number of different things that they need to learn to live their life to follow him and live the way he wants them to live and not the way we always want to live. And so if you haven't listened to that or, or read that, I'd encourage you to go back, read the, the Sermon on the Mount or listen to the series. It was a great one by a number of the pastors that did that. But today we're going to start a new series on the book of James, and it's called God's Wisdom for Life. And part of the reason we picked that title is because this is probably one of the most practical books that you can read in the New Testament, to be honest. The other side of this is it's also one of the most general books in the sense that when you read a lot of the other books in the New Testament, like 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Galatians, and you can keep going, written by Paul, those are written directly to a church. That's why they have the title. And so Paul is actually writing to those people in that church, in that community, about what's happening in that church and in that community. And he's trying to help them live within that church and in that community. Where James is writing it generally, where he's writing to all Christians. Because like we heard, just Brandon read, they're dispersed everywhere now. There's not one location. They're not just at the church in Jerusalem anymore. They're spread through the world. Things are happening. Things are going on. And now James is writing to everybody going, hey, what we're about to read together, study together is for anybody, no matter where you're at. And you can learn this because this is for anybody, no matter where you're at. And the beauty is, even though this wasn't literally written to us, because obviously we weren't alive back then, it is written for us, though. So the same principle happens here where James is saying, anybody that's a believer, anywhere you are, any church you are, any community you are, you can take this book and learn from it and apply it. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to walk through this the next few months, taking the different things. And if you walked in and you got one of these today, one of the bookmarks, it doesn't show the dates of the series, but it's actually going to show you all the different things in order that we're going to study together. And there's a lot of comparisons. If you look at the bookmark real quick, there's a lot of comparisons. And a lot of that is because James is so practical, it's teaching us that we have a choice of how to live. And so you'll see things like today, trials or joy, how are you going to look at those? And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Are you going to choose wisdom 
or foolishness? Are you going to be tempted or blame? Are you going to be hearers or doers? Like there's a lot of things that come into play that will be used throughout this book to compare, but we will have a choice of how to live. So one thing before we pray and dive in to what he's going to teach us today. If you do not have your own Bible, we want you to have your own Bible. So when you leave this room today and go out these double doors, to the right and the left, there's a couple shelves with some Bibles there. If you don't have your own Bible, we would love for you to have your own Bible. And so please today grab one and take it with you because we would love you to be in this study with us and read it with us and not just come and hear me or the other pastors preach, but actually during the week, read it yourself, okay? So don't feel ashamed if you take one. It's not stealing. You're not breaking a 10 commandment, okay? No worries there because we love you. We want the best for you too. So please grab one before you go if you don't have your own Bible. So let's pray and we're gonna dig in here. So God, we just thank you that you are here with us. And God, would you teach us this morning? Would you show us this morning what we need to hear, what we need to learn, what we need to take in? God, would you just help us hear your truth? Hear what you want for our lives. Hear what you're calling us to. Hearing what that looks like. So God, would you just help us this morning as we study this text? In your name, amen. So we're going to dive right in, but I'm going to tell you now, we're going to break each verse down. So keep your Bibles open wherever you're at, because we're going to actually break these verses down, because there's so much in each verse. They only gave me four. And at one sense, you think, oh, sweet, four, out early. I'm not promising that, because there's a lot here that we can't miss today. Because here's the truth. What we're about to walk through is actually going to lead us through the rest of the book. So James could have picked anything else to start with, and he picked trials. Now, that doesn't sound real fun, and it's not, but we'll find out that it can be if you have the right perspective. But here's why. Because trials are what we go through every day, if you realize it or not. And these different things that we're going to talk through through the book can be trials, can be tests to see where we're at. And it's not easy because the truth is, like we shared, they're dispersed everywhere right now, the Jews, the Jewish Christians. So some of them might be alone. Some of them might not have this room like we have this morning. And so it's hard when you go alone, but we're supposed to go together, right? And so here's the thing. We're going to learn this together and walk through this together because trials, no matter where you are, will come and we'll learn more about that too. So here we go. Verse one, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes dispersed abroad. Greetings. Now, if you're like me, it's easy to bypass this and go, oh, that's cute. James is loving God, having a relationship with God. He's serving God. He's calling Lord. Now he's going to write on, let's get going here. Let's not stop at this verse. But here's the thing. There's a lot of truth if you don't take the time to study this text that you're going to miss if you don't read what is really happening here. So the first thing that's happening here is James is the half-brother of Jesus. 
We can't miss that because that is super important right now to where we're about to go with this. So James is the half-brother of Jesus. Now here's what we know. How many of you have siblings? Anybody have siblings in here? Right? Oh, a lot of you. Way more than I thought actually would be raising your hand. So here's the truth. Most of us, if not all of us, when our siblings want to put themselves higher than us or make themselves look better than us, we don't want to accept it, do we? No. So here's an example from the Old Testament. I'm reading with my oldest the story of Joseph. So Joseph in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, has two dreams. And in both dreams, he's literally, in a sense, held higher than his brothers, if you've read that story. In the sense that he goes and tells his family, which he really shouldn't have, to be honest, that air is on. Woo! Now I can breathe, right? <gasps> it's what? Oh, it's the rain? Oh my goodness. We need that too. My grass, definitely. Yeah, amen. Babe, <laughs> see, I get squirrel moments and I just hit one and I got to get back. All right. So where was I? James, half-brother of Jesus. That's a good thing. So Joseph, there's where I was. Joseph tells his family, hey, you're going to bow down to me. Now, like any sibling, and he was the little sibling, so it wasn't like he was an older sibling. He was like the baby of the family at the time. So that's even worse, right? So I, if, if my son Benjamin, the youngest, told my son Jonathan, I've seen from God that I'm going to be better than you at baseball. You know what's going to happen in my household? My oldest is probably going to beat up my youngest and go, I ain't going to let that happen. And then my oldest is going to be outside practicing all the time to make sure it don't happen, no matter if it's of God or not, right? Well, Joseph's the same thing. He says, hey, I'm going to do this. So guess what happens? All the older brothers go, whatever, dude, that ain't happening. And they take matters in their own hands, at least that's what they think, and they throw them in the well. How many siblings have ever thrown you in a well? Not my, I was the older sibling, so I kind of got away with some stuff. But in that, they don't just keep them in the well. They sell them to their enemies, Egyptians, as a slave. And they think, good, we're done. See you later. That ain't happening, what you just told us. Well, if you know the story, it does. Just not in the way we all thought, right? They come to him in Egypt and they bow to him, not realizing it's him. And he walks them through some trials. And as they go through those trials, they come to realize it's him and he forgives them. And then he brings everybody there and supplies their needs, right? Well, now think about this. Now we come to James. Here's his brother saying, I'm the Messiah. Well, prior to that, there's a lot of people that have come in and said, I'm the Messiah. So there's already a lot of Jews struggling to believe who's the Messiah. And James is going, and now it's not you're just saying this, but you're my brother saying this, right? Whatever, dude. But at some point, things change. See, Jesus dies and rises again, and then that's when James realizes the truth. You are the Messiah. You are who you said you are. Holy cow, my brother's the Messiah. Like, you ever been in that moment? Like, you have that reality? It's like, boom! He's the Messiah! 
you know, probably not that high in pitch and voice, but maybe, you never know. But he's a half-brother, and it changes his life forever. And you see this through two titles. One, he calls himself a servant now of his brother. Not just, hey, you're Jesus, my brother, but you are Jesus, the Lord, and my brother, and I'm going to serve you. And it changes his life so much that he becomes the leader in the church of Jerusalem. Folks, when you walk in and you realize who Jesus really is, first and foremost, it will change your life forever. And I'm going to tell you today, it's going to change how you walk through trials. And it's going to affect how you walk through trials, what you believe or don't believe. See, I grew up in the church. I've been in the church since I was born. Well, I was at a hospital first and then I eventually went. But, but at eight years old, because I grew up in the church and I went to Bible camp every year and all that stuff, at eight years old, I decided to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And at 10, I decided to be baptized in my home church. But here's the thing. I stopped there for a long time. So some of us in this room, there's going to be four stop points today that I'm going to talk about. First stop point is this. Some of us in this room today, you might have to look at your life and go, do I have a relationship with Jesus? Now, I'm not saying you stop there and now you get up and leave and go, yeah, that's me. No, please don't leave the room because we want you to hear the rest. But, But for some of us in this room, we might need to stop here and go, do I have a relationship with Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Do I need to learn more about this Jesus? See, it wasn't until I was 21 that it really changed for real. If you would have known me in high school and middle school, oh my gosh. Like I, I went back and was a pastor in my home church and some of them are like, we're letting him do what? Because they knew who I was growing up. But when I was 21 in the month of April, I was helping an organization in my hometown and we were reaching students that didn't go to church. And that night in April at that meeting, the team of five men that were leaders of it prayed and they came up to me and the leader, Wes was his name, came up and put his arm around me and said, Lee, we believe you're supposed to preach in the month of May. Uh Uh-huh. And he said, no, we've been praying very heavily for a month and you keep coming to our hearts and minds and we believe you're supposed to do it. And I was like, I have never done that before. I've never spoken this capacity before. I don't think I'm the right guy for this. You've got all these other people. I was giving all these excuses, right? Like Moses does, right? And he goes, all right, here's the thing. I'm not going to make you do it, but I need you to go home and pray about it because we feel heavily this is supposed to be you and we need to make sure you're in or not and soon because we need to make a decision then if you're not going to do it. So I went home that night and I could not fall asleep. I was laying in bed and I can still picture my room to this day where it was. I was living in the basement of my parents' house. Yep, at 21. Yep. And I got out of bed and I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. These guys seem pretty confident, but there's something not right here. So I got out of bed, I got on my knees, I got my Bible and I dropped my Bible. And I'm not teasing you this morning. It literally opened to the book of James. And I read the book four times in a row. And you know what I realized after reading those book four times in a row, I realized I was missing what I was missing. 
See, he doesn't just call him servant, he calls him Lord. See, at that point in my life, I had a relationship with Jesus, but I didn't make him Lord of my life. And making him Lord of my life means absolute obedience and loyalty. It means letting him be complete control of my life. It means an undivided commitment to God. And I wasn't there yet. And I realized I needed to do that. And so that night, I prayed to God and I recommitted my life. And I said, now it's time not just to let you be my savior of my life, but the Lord of my life. And the rest is a story, folks, leading up to this moment right now. So the second stop today is how many of us in this room need to look and go, okay, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I haven't done that yet. So the first is, do you have a relationship with him? And are you willing to have a relationship with him? The second stop is, have you made him the Lord of your life yet? Because I'll tell you what, what James is about to teach us in the next few verses is going to come based off. I have a loud voice and this is like competing. Satan, no. Yeah. And some of us need to stop and ask, have I made Jesus the Lord of my life truly? Because I'll tell you what, when you walk through trials, anybody that's lived the Christian life for a while will tell you, I don't know how people do this without Jesus. Like anybody that's walked through at least one trial doesn't know how anybody does it without Jesus. And it makes a difference to have Jesus, your Savior and your Lord, as you walk through the trial. This is going to be hilarious today. This did not happen last service. This will be fun. The challenge accepted. But the choice is, we get to choose how to live. This is God being funny now. It's no more any satanic stuff. This is God being funny. See, he's like, yeah, there we go. We acknowledge who's right, who's in control, okay? We choose how to live where we're at. Just like them, they were dispersed everywhere. We're in Shelbyville, right? Or you're in Rushville or whatever surrounding community. You choose how to live. You choose if you want Jesus to be your Savior and Lord. You choose what that's going to look like in your community. But here's the beauty. You don't have to do it alone. There's a reason we're called the family of God. We are supposed to be a family. We are supposed to do this together, amen? amen. We're not to do it alone. And there's gonna see that at the end of this fourth verse. Why we don't do it alone? Because we need each other. I need you and you need me. And we need everybody in this room because what we go through and what we're about to go through. So here we go, verse two. Consider it great joy my brothers and sisters whenever you experience various troubles now if you're like the everyday person and you read verse 2 you're like whatever dude right that is not our initial mindset when trials come we are not excited we are not happy we're actually 
Some moments, if you're like me, you feel like you're in a deep, dark hole, right? That's endless in some ways. It feels like God's not there. And we start to get negative. We start to, I've been depressed at points in my life, folks. My wife has been such a blessing to our family because, you know, we ask our boys about their day and, you know, they'll do the typical answer. It's good. It was good. What happened today? I don't remember. But my youngest has gotten in this habit. Why? Because in our world, if we're being honest, I'm not trying to be mean about our world, but if we're being honest about our world, we're we're in a negative mindset, right? Like our initial is negative, not positive, right? Like we're guilty of that. Like here in this room, like a lot of times instead of thinking positive, we're thinking negative first a lot of cases. And so my youngest will go, it was really good. It was great. And then I'll be like, all right, tell me about it. He goes, well, let me tell you about this first. And then he'll tell me all the negative. And it's like, oh my goodness. And so my wife has challenged the three men in her life, me being one of them. Uh, The biggest one, right? Yeah. The biggest baby in some days. Challenged us to go, okay, tell me three good things about your day. You can't ignore, folks. You can't ignore. She'll say this to you. You can't ignore what happened today. You don't push aside what happened today. It's real. It happened. It went through it, right? But the truth is there's still good that happened today. Yeah? There's still good that's happening today. But we get in this mindset and we struggle with it. But he starts with this, consider. means think about, process, take into your mind. Don't just blow it off. Don't just push it aside. Take it in. Go, man, there's something actually here. There's something happening here. What's going on? Why is it going on? Ask those questions of why today is happening today. Why? We're supposed to consider to take great joy in our trials. The Greek actually says all. The Greek doesn't say partial or sometimes, or when you want, or maybe. The Greek actually says, find joy all the time. Not when you want to, not when you feel like it. Because let's be honest, right, in the room, when life is going really good, Jesus is awesome, yeah? When life isn't going really good, where is he? Is he even there? Does he exist? He's left me alone. But James is calling us and all Christians to go, no, it's all the time in every circumstance. And there's reasons for that that we're gonna see this morning. But here's something we have to remember. We take it for great joy because one, we have to have a positive outlook and point of view. We need to put things and proper perspective. Why? Because there's a purpose. And here's the beauty. Anybody that's ever gone through trial, which honestly everybody in here has at some point, it helps us see or view or know God differently, doesn't it? Like I think any of us that look back, whatever trials you've gone through, you don't see God the same. You don't know God the same. And as much as hard it is to walk through those trials and stinks to walk through those trials, 
you're getting to learn more about God. So there's a purpose. You're getting to know God. Why not be excited? But here's one thing I came up with this. Well, I didn't come up. That's bad. God came up with it, but he just helped me see it. As I wrote this down this week, as I was studying, I ended up writing I, but I'll say us and we instead, because we're here today together. But there are days we forget he is there. There are days we forget he loves us. There are days we forget he cares for us. There are days we forget he wants to lead and guide us. There are days we forget he wants to see who we truly are. There are days we forget he wants us to trust him with everything. And there are days we forget he wants better for us. And there are days we forget he doesn't want to leave us where we're at. You know why our perspective struggles some days? Because we forget all these beautiful truths from the Bible of who God is. Part of the reason you can walk through life in these horrible moments, and I'll say that on purpose because some of these trials you go through are horrible. But we cannot forget in the midst of this, the reason we can find great joy is because we have the God of the universe. Amen? Amen. Come on. Amen? Amen? Thank you. And we have to learn how to remember these truths as we walk through. Because these are our saving graces. These are what gets us on the other side. But here's what I don't want it to stop. I don't want you to just hear those. I want, to hear, I want you to hear them in a new way. Next thing. There are days we forget he is there always. There are days we forget he loves us always. We, there are days we forget he cares for us always. That he wants to lead and guide us always. That he wants us to see who we truly are always. That he wants us to trust him with everything always. That he wants better for us always. That he doesn't want to leave us where we are always. He's not taking you through this or allowing you to go through this just for fun. There's a reason you're going through what you're going through or have gone through or going to go through. But we have to remember these truths. And then he goes on to say the word whenever. So it's not if, he assumes it's gonna happen. If you are in one right now, there's a good chance at some point in the near future, you're probably gonna go through one. It's not if you go through one, it's when you go through one, okay? When you, whenever you experience, whenever they fall among you, whenever they come your way, whenever you meet you, because let's be honest, we're not looking for them, right? I'm not going, trial, yes! And I run to it or I walk to it or come here, buddy, let's do this. No, I'm like, get away. I'm going this way, you go that way, life will be good. But it's whenever they come your way, they meet you. And there's a whole range of them. That's why he says the word various. But trials come. So find them all great joy. And here's why. Trials give us things we could get no other way. That's a horrible statement. But it's a true statement. There are things you're going to walk through 
to help you see and know God and grow your relationship with God that you wouldn't get any way than going through whatever you're going through or gone through or gonna go through. I would never, ever go back through what I went through in my first church. I had a hard experience. I actually almost stepped out of ministry. I told God I would never work in the church again. Obviously, we know who won that argument. But I'll tell you what, even though I wouldn't want to go back and repeat it, I'll tell you what, I am the man I am today because of it. And I know God better and more than I would have if I did. And it's a beautiful thing in the end, but you know why I can say that? Because I'm on the other side, right? When we get to the other side, it's a beautiful thing, a good thing. But when we're in it, it's not, right? It's hard. So that's why we have to walk through these truths to help us. Here's another thing. Preparation for greater things God has planned for them. That, when I wrote that down, I was like, what am I doing? You know, like I think about that experience and I'm like, what is he preparing me for? But the truth is, it might not be this greater thing in the sense we're thinking this big booming thing. It might be just simply, I learned how to be a better man. I learned how to listen better. I learned how to give more grace. I learned how to handle a situation better. Like it might not just be this big booming thing. It might be someday, I don't know what God's got fully planned for me or you. But he's doing it to prepare you for tomorrow. And there's another reason for that here a little bit later. Here's another truth. We can't really know the depth of our character until we see how we react under pressure. It's easy to go, I love God, right? Like we said earlier, when life's good. But man, when you're over here going through whatever you're going through, do you still love God? Do you still believe God? Are you still willing to follow God? That's where your character will come. That's where the true you will come. Because you'll know, am I really in this all in? I mean, we've talked like language for those that have been around for a few years now. Are you really all in? Or is it just, I'm gonna come on a Sunday and be at church? But here's a beauty that's a truth that I love. Trials are never out of God's control. Whatever you go through, the reason we can remember all these always statements is because God is never not in control. He is seated on the throne. No one could take it from him. One tried, he's called Satan and he lost. Amen? He's on the throne. He's in control. So here's two verses that we're going to jump on real quick before we finish the last couple. And because really chapter one is all on trials, but I'm going to let some of the other pastors go even further on these. But verse five, if, if you are going through a trial, here's what God says. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. So when you're in your trial, part of what we're to do is go to God. Spend time talking to God. Spend time in his word. Whatever you need to do, be with God to know what you're supposed to do. What are you supposed to learn? What are you supposed to see? What are you supposed to do? Whatever that is for you in that moment. Ask God for wisdom. The, the other set of verses is verse 13 through 14. It says, no one undergoing a trial though should say I'm being tempted by God since God is not tempted by evil and he himself doesn't tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. So here's how we look at this. 
One hand is a trial, another hand is temptation. We have to learn how to discern the difference. And I think in most cases we have a good idea what's what, right? So here's the deal. If you're in a trial, it's of God, walk through it. It might not be fun, and most times it's not, but walk through it. Now, if it is a temptation, it is not of God. Get away from it. Like Joseph, the same guy I talked about earlier, he was trying to be seduced. He wasn't trying. He was being seduced by Pharaoh, not Pharaoh, the leader's wife, and he ran away. He could have he done whatever he wanted. The guy was gone. Never know. But he said, no, this is a temptation. I'm out of here. This isn't of God. So we have to discern, is this a trial? If it is, it's of God. Walk through it. If it's a temptation, it's not of God. It's either of you or people around you or of Satan. Get away from it. And this is where the third stop comes in. So the first stop, do you have a relationship with Jesus? The second stop, have you made him the Lord of your life? And this stop, do you need to learn how to walk trials with Jesus? Some of us do. I still need to learn. We need to learn how to walk through trials with Jesus. And what does that look like? And a lot of it is that changing our mindset. Because verse three goes on to say, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Now, I love this. We will skip over this a lot of times. You know, guess what? You know they're going to happen. You know they've already happened, right? It's not like this is a surprise game. James is like, you know, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Well, why? The testing is a genuine faith is always revealed by the way I live my life in trials and not in trials. Because the truth is, folks, he's trying to strengthen our character. He's not trying to ruin you. God is not sitting up there on his throne laughing with this horrible, evil, chuckling laugh because he put you through something and goes, hey, I did them good today. No, that's not who our God is. But what he wants is he wants battle-tested warriors. Why? Well, verse 4. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So here's that little word again. See, I, I'm a big fan of words when I study text. So the word let is basically saying do it its intended work. Let endurance do its thing. Why? Because faith produces endurance. And that endurance, once it has its full effect, once it completes its work, once it strengthens your faith, once it makes your faith stronger, deeper, more certain, will have an end result. See, the truth is, it's not this statement of finding if you have faith. It's you already have faith and it's doing something with it. It's like Peter when he was on the boat. It wasn't Jesus going, you of no faith. He was saying, you of little faith. This, is, this testing isn't to take you to go, do you have faith or not? This testing is saying, you already have the faith, but I need to grow you. I need to mature you. I need to help you keep going, right? Because of all our always statements, he doesn't want to leave us where we're at, right? 
And so he's not finding out if you have faith, he's helping you determine how much faith and strengthening it. So let it do its work, complete work. That's why we walk through. If it's a trial, it's of God, walk through it. That's part of why we do it. Because he's trying to do something in your life. He's trying to do something in your life. And then comes the word, so that. Anytime in the Bible, in the New Testament, I get to a so that, I mark it. Because there's always a reason. There's always a reason. He's always trying to take whatever they've taught, whatever the author, whoever the author is, and he says, all right, here's all this, so that this will happen, or so that this will come to life, or so that you'll live this way, or whatever. And so what is the so that? What is the why to all this? Well, you find great joy in trials. You let them work through because your faith in that has things. You're supposed to be happy about this, right? Which is crazy you think in one sense, but so that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. Honestly, so you have tried character. For those that have loved, or loved, well, loved is a good thing, lived life and done it and gone before, we want to connect with these people, right? If you've gone through what I'm going through, I need you to come alongside me and say, keep going. It's an end. There's an end. You can do this. And guess what? You'll actually probably become better. And not probably, you will become better at the end of this. But here's the truth. This is the fourth stop. Some of us in the room need to consider, okay, if I've walked through all these trials already in my life, I probably need to turn around and help others. So for some of us in this room, we need to talk about if we have a relationship with Jesus. Some of us in this room, we need to talk about if we have him as our Lord of our life. Some of us need to take time and still walk through trials and figure out how to do them with Jesus. And then there's some of us that have done that a lot already that need to turn around and help other people. Why? Because we need each other. We need to do this together. And those people will help you see the truth. They'll remind you of who God is. They'll show you that there's an end in sight. And then they'll help you see that there is more to this than just the moment you're in. It's easy to get lost in the moment we're in. That's why we need each other to say, keep going. Because God's trying to do something in your life. That's why we need each other, folks. Don't do this life alone. So here's the prayer for tomorrow. It's Monday. Most of us, and I've seen it, will post on Facebook, it's Monday, help me, Lord, right? Because it's Monday. Monday has become a bad day for whatever reason. But what if we woke up tomorrow and truly had this mindset based off what we learned today? God, I want to learn how to find joy in life, in all of life. And I don't know what you have planned for me today but I know there's a reason and a purpose for it. And I know you love me and I know you want the best for me and I know you don't want to leave me where I'm at. You can name all those truths we shared this morning. So God, whatever comes my way today, will you help me live it? Will you help me walk through it and not just walk through it? Will you help me learn what you want me to learn? See what you want me to see, but you also help me do it joy. Because folks, the honest truth is, we need more Christians walking in the world happy and joyful than sad and sorrowful. 
Like when you're at the store, what is the posture you're bringing to the table? When you're at your doctor, what posture you bring to the table? You know how I know that's true? Because my doctor, he doesn't believe in Jesus, but him and I are having a lot of Jesus talks every time I see him every three months. Our postures matter, no matter what you're going through, no matter what's happening. And people, I'll tell you, when people start walk, walking around and seeing you walking around joyful all the time, they're going to want to know what's going on. Because why? It's not normal. And then you get to tell them why. You can even be honest with them and say, today stinks really bad because I'm going through something really hard. But you know what? I'm trying to learn how to do this with Jesus. And I'm going to learn how to find joy in it today. It's not easy. I fail some days, but I'm trying to figure this out. But how we live when we walk out those doors and make all the difference to all the people that need to know Jesus. And that's why James can come back and say what he says, because he's lived it. He is coming back around now after his trials and going, I've been there, done that. Now I'm going to help you be there, do that. So then eventually you can help others be there, do that. Yeah? Because as much as this is about you growing, it's not just about you. It's for others too. Okay? Let's pray. So God, we do. We thank you for these moments. And I'm going to thank you right now for the moments we've gone through, the moments we're going through, and the moments we're going to go through. And God, would you help all of us, myself included, Find joy in those moments. Look for what you're trying to show us. Look for what you're trying to teach us. See you in the new ways that you're trying to show yourself. And God, I pray for those that do not have a relationship with you yet. God, I pray that they would seek that and find that and learn about that. And God, I pray that they would start that relationship with you even today. And God, for those at the second stop that haven't fully committed you as their Lord of their life, God, I would pray that they would make that choice even today to let you be the Lord of their life and let you change their life forever. And God, for those that are walking through a trial right now or getting ready to God, would you just help them walk more with you than they ever have before previously? And God, for those that are on the side of maturity and completeness, God, would you give them the courage and the help to turn back around and help the rest of us so we can all do this journey together that you've called us to. In your name, amen. All right, well, I blew you up with a lot of stuff. I'm gonna send you out to deflate a little bit and breathe, but don't forget it because what we learned today is gonna affect the rest of what we study together, okay? Okay.